Welcome. I'm Michael McDonnell. I am the cybersecurity librarian. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tonight's live stream is a very interesting one that causes me some anxiety. Let's introduce my co-host, Moro. How you doing uh, tonight, Moro? Pretty good. Yourself, Michael? I'm doing pretty good. Well, except for that anxiety thing. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Because... <laughs> uh, this particular, the, the thought of talking about this topic is giving me all the feels. Um, mm. um, so tonight's topic is about handling rejection, both as a job seeker and as a hiring manager. And um, we have a great guest that's going to give us a lot of advice. Um, came highly recommended from one of our prior guests, if you remember Jessica, um, who also had great advice when we went to Jessica and said, Hey, um, tell us about rejection. And she's like, Oh, you got to talk to Emily and, uh, we'll, we'll bring Emily and talk about her in a minute. Um, Morrow, is there anything you want to say about the topic before um, I go into my spiel? You know, it's, it's one of those things. I think, you know, people, um, when, when they're job hunting, especially, they, you know, they've got a certain, I guess, goal or thing in their mind that they're, they're after. And, you know, when they don't achieve that goal, you know, some people just get, get really down on themselves. They start to second guess themselves. They think, oh, maybe I'm not qualified enough. Maybe I didn't dress the part or maybe I spoke out of turn, things of that nature. So I feel like rather than, you know, especially for, for some of you newbies out there that are, uh, you know, just new grads trying to find a job. I felt like this is a great live stream so that, you know, you, you can understand sometimes it's not about you uh, and it's not you. It's just the situation. Sometimes you're just not the right fit. And, you know, no matter what you do, you're not going to you're not going to overcome that. But um, with that, uh, I think this will be in a, a very interesting live stream, uh, you know, whether it's in the in the job space or even in personal life. Right. Maybe you met someone and you, you know, you tried to ask them out on a date and you get rejected. We all experience that. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that today's guest will kind of give us some insight on sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes you don't have to adjust. Sometimes you just got to be yourself and, you know, overcome that, that uh, feeling of anxiety like Michael was, uh, was expressing. But before we begin, I'm going to say this much. Subscribe if you haven't already. Please hit, please hit that like button if you like this live stream. And as always, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to post them in the, uh, in the comments area. Absolutely. Um, we are here to take your comments, take your questions, bring them to our guest and address them as we go along. Um, so let me tell you why this uh, topic is causing me some anxiety. Um, okay. So um, those who watch our previous live streams, especially the ones about um, career and job hunting, um, know that a lot of the inspiration for topics came from the job hunt I had to do um, earlier this year, and it wasn't a good experience. Um, special shout out to my friend Martin Guerra, uh, or Guerre. Um, you are the inspiration for this topic because I was, as I was applying for jobs in a vacuum of feedback, making up a lot of stories in my head, and they were holding me back from taking positive action. My friend Martin gave me a lot of advice got me taking positive action. And part of it was, how do you deal with rejection? And he had some very direct answers there leading to what we're doing. But um, 
So when I was on that job hunt, I think if you'd asked me what job hunting was about, I would have said, well, okay, so there are three parts. You want to go out and identify jobs that you might be good for. And so you're literally searching and hunting every day and trying to find those where they might exist, whether it's job postings or through your network or whatever. Um, and then another part is um, try to tailor your resume and write a cover letter and um, just apply for the job in that traditional fashion in the best way you can. And the third part is getting noticed because, you know, the point of applying for jobs to get an interview, the point of the interview is to get a second interview. Point of the second interview is to get an offer and begin a negotiation and get hired. That's what I would have told you. I've said it as much in our previous live streams. The truth is, <laughs> my experience was that day to day, job hunting meant dealing with the emotions of constantly feeling um, rejected and a whole lot of other negative things because you're dealing in a world where you're taking a lot of action with no feedback. And uh, I'll give you this story. So um, I applied for quite a few jobs, jobs that I thought I was a good match for, that I had a strong um uh, chance of getting. I had uh, reached out to people and really got nothing, nothing, no interviews, L like no one looking at my LinkedIn. I was trying different things and I was, it was very frustrating and a very bad experience. And then one day I see a job posted that I am literally a perfect match for. Um, it's in an industry that I've worked in. It's in a security operations role I've done in that industry at, a, at an organization very similar to the one with the job posting, like really similar. Um, like most cybersecurity jobs, there's this big long list of technology stack where I have extensive experience in those technologies, including awards for some of those technologies. Um, it had, like most cybersecurity jobs, a whole big list of certifications. I hold more than a few certifications. Um, not only that, but in I had spoken at conferences in that industry recently on cybersecurity. Um, I knew many of the people that are in the inner circle. And like literally every aspect of being confident in a job search is like, well, you know, you know, they look at my resume it's going to stand out. If they look at my cover letter, it's going to stand out. If they talk to someone about me, it will stand out. And I can get myself noticed because I know the people involved. And so I applied. And I wrote a very authentic, brief cover letter, the kind that you only wish you could because you know the job so well. You, I literally know the, what they're looking for because I've hired the person they're looking for. So I wait for the job closing date and I've identified a list of people I could contact for follow-up and make sure I get noticed. I've identified a list of people that I think know the hiring managers so that they could reach out and make sure I get noticed all that good stuff. And then I realize there's a clause that says um, you can't contact and when you got to contact HR and I don't want to break that. Uh, having been a hiring manager when that's there, you usually want to follow it uh, unionized environment, things like that. So I'm left nervous with all my other bad experience and I don't know what to do. Should have really reached out, just broke all the rules anyways, but I didn't. And then weeks go by and I just start making up stories in my head like all the other jobs. 
Well, they must have found someone better. Maybe they're delayed. And it starts eating me up inside. But as you know, my story ends happily because I talked to my friend Martin and I took a lot more positive steps. Uh, many of you watched the live stream, helped me out, and I ended up getting a contract that I'm in the middle of. And uh, four months go by, four months go by, and one day I, there's, I have a bunch of voicemails waiting for me, and I have text messages from unknown numbers, and I get an email saying, um, could you please phone us right away? And it's from that job, four months. It turns out that I was on their short list. But I didn't think so. All the stories I made up in my head about what happened and how ineffective I was and inadequate I was for that job, just stories in my head. Uh, yeah. And the basis of my anxiety in talking about tonight's topic is because I've got less than two and a half months left in my contract and it's killing me to think about going back for when I, I just made this up tonight, rejection hunting. I don't want to do it, man. And I don't even want to talk about it because it gives me all the feels. <laughs> but we're going to do it because that's literally what many, I, many of you who are watching, you're in that boat or you're going to be in that boat. If you're new in your career, you probably can't even have the anxiety I'm having because you don't know how it works behind the scenes. And we're going to try to talk about that too tonight. Like how does hiring really work and what's the process that you don't see and how can you, you know, work it tonight's live stream, not just about job hunters. It's about hiring managers too. How can you be more effective in making sure that you foster connections with even the people you don't hire? Cause you know what, if you noticed them, you should know them. Enough of my story. <laughs> I'm going to try to talk. As, I'm going to try to stock, talk as little as possible because of the anxiety tonight. Um, Moro, please say something. But, but seriously, I mean, you know what? We all go through that, right? And some of us more so than others. Uh, you know, especially when you feel like, yeah, I'm the right candidate. I interview well. I've got this kick-ass resume, and then it and nothing happens. Uh, and then and then yeah, you're right. We all go through that. We start to think of scenarios why we failed, and and yeah, we, we, we got to one, learn to cope, but two, I think the, the part of that that we really should focus on is stay positive, get the positive out of it and move forward. Cause uh, you know, that you gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta keep moving forward. Uh, failure. If you want to call it failure is just, just another, it's just another piece of the puzzle. You know, the more you can learn from it, the better you're going to be the next time. I was so, about to say my slogan that we've, I've used in every one of our job hunting streams, but I'm going to just leave that as a pop quiz for the audience. There's no prize other than my adoration and affection for you. But if you can remember the thing I always say about job interviews, <laughs> every job interview is what for the next job interview? Um, anyways, I think it's a great time to interview our, uh, our, our guest tonight. Uh, Emily Vincent um, has very um, deliberate way of providing feedback in deliberate in the sense that she does it on purpose and she does it consistently 
And she is a recruiter with a lot of experience and a professional HR person. So she can give us insights into every aspect of this. And uh, this can be a great conversation. So hello, Emily. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, great. Ready to get going? Yep. Um, before we start, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell sure. Tell anything you want to tell them. Sure. So I'll actually just keep it brief because I'm sure that we will cover a ton, ton of good information here today. So um, my name is Emily Vincent. I am a recruiter with a transportation company. Um, we operate throughout North America um, and I kind of handle all the corporate roles within the organization. So um, a variety, big variety. Um, yeah. And I'll leave it at that and uh, we'll we'll get into it. All right. Um, Moro, where would you like to start? I, so, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, you know, uh, obviously before we did this live stream, we, 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 we talked with Emily, right. Just so, so we get an idea of how, how we would like to present this live stream in particular. So I, I think we'd like to kind of start with some of that conversation we let off with. So I want to start with the preface and the idea that, yeah, you know, we've got a lot of new grads, uh, out there as well as people who are looking for jobs. And, you know, they go through that whole interview process only to discover that, you know, one, they've gotten no feedback or two, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's been a long time, like in Michael's case, four months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been torture and they're inventing things in their mind of what, what happens. Mm -hmm. But you, Emily, I know you, you, you kind of talked to us or you described the whole process on, on the hiring side of things. So, you know, sometimes it's not a negative thing. It's just that, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe just the candidate wasn't the right fit. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, I, I'd like to, I, I guess, open with you kind of giving some background on some of the strategies that go on uh, when you're hiring someone uh, right, off, uh, right out of the gate. So sure. Elaborate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think one of the biggest things to keep in mind is that, um, I don't think it's a recruiter or hiring manager or anyone's intention uh, to leave you hanging. I think a lot of the time there's a lot going on behind the scenes, which is maybe the reason why um, Mike, that, that role took four months to hear back. Um, a lot of that has to do with, I mean, they might've put the posting out and um, maybe they wanted to change what they're looking for. Um, things are kind of always changing the organization, any organization. Um, so I think that's super important to keep in mind. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of want to break this into two buckets. Um, so I kind of like to touch on the candidate side first, if that's okay with you guys. Um, sure. I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, your feelings are validated. Um, going through this interview process is, um, it's vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself out there and, you're putting your best foot forward and it's kind of like dating in a way you're like, are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? Um, so it definitely is vulnerable and obviously you've applied. So you want this position. Um, so that's the first thing um, I would say. Secondly, it's really important that once the interview process has happened um, and you hear back and you get that no um, to be constructive about it. So, I mean, you can make up all the stories in your mind about what happened, um, but the reality is there's probably like a very small reason. If, if their qualifications are all there, there's probably a very small reason as to why you didn't get the role. So an example could be, if a hiring manager is asking you, what is um, your 
like what working environment do you work best in? And you answer with, you know, I really work like to work independently. Um, I don't like micromanagers. You know, they might think you are the ideal candidate, but they know that that's not their style. Or like me as a recruiter, if I'm with, hi with hiring with a hiring manager, and I know that managers that 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 relationship is just not going to work. I wouldn't necessarily re recommend that person to hire because you want to think about long term um, and that retention. Um, and then the second, another piece to keep in mind is just around um, feedback. So you know, if someone just call me and say, you know, I'm sorry, we're just we're going to move forward with somebody else, and I say, can you give me some feedback. I'd love some feedback um, that I can take into a future interview um, or when I go forward with applying for other roles. A lot of the time, um, unfortunately, managers or whoever you're speaking with will say, we found someone with qualifications that more closely match the role that we're hiring for. Um, a lot of the time, hiring managers and recruiters won't get into the, the specifics, uh, which is what you really want. Um, so what I would recommend in that situation, you can always ask more specifically, you know, if I was to apply for this specific position again, what would you hope to see on my resume? And make it a little bit more tailored so that, you know, it's a little bit more pointed and they might answer it a little bit more clearly. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the time you do get that um, kind of blanket response. So so when you're being constructive about looking back on your interview process, I would say the biggest thing is to, you know, think about when you were, okay, this is one thing that I always, I always love to tell candidates because I think it's really important when you get into interviews and you're explaining your experience um, and you say, you know, we were working on this project and we had this deadline and we, you know, we got the result and our management was really happy. That all sounds really great. Lovely. However, I have no idea what you specifically did in that scenario. So I think one thing to keep in mind is it's good to be humble and you want to include your teammates if you didn't, you know, complete the whole project to your own. Um, just be clear that, you know, were you the leader of the project or were you, you know, printing the agenda or whatever that is, you know? Um, yeah. So that's one thing that I just always like to share because um people don't mean to do it. I do it all the time. Um, and it's something that I cautious, I'm conscious about um, to think about and say, okay, no, like this is one opportunity that I get to brag about myself <laughs> and show what I've done, you know, in right. my experience. So I was going to say, yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes I guess, I guess in the quest to be humble and, and genuine, sometimes we uh, maybe take it too far and, you know, we just don't, we don't promote ourselves. I know that that's, mm -hmm a bad quality that I possess. Uh, I know a lot of peers have said that Gomorrow, you, you got to wave, you know, you got to wave the banner. You got to go up there. Otherwise you're not mm -hmm. going to get noticed. You're going to mm -hmm. get passed by for, you know, um, passed by for promotions or mm -hmm. you know, anything of that nature. So I know I struggle with it. Um, mostly because again, you know, my, my feeling is always like, nah, this is a team effort. It's always a team effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, no one ever is made, you know, a self-made person. Right. Like that, that just rarely exists. So in my mind, it's like, you know, I, I'm always grateful to the universe that, you know, I, I have a great group of friends, mm -hmm. uh, colleagues that, you know, support me on, on a very day-to-day uh, -day basis. I have a great boss. Um, most of you have met him. He was on a live mm -hmm. stream. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to be very specific. Like, mm -hmm. no, this is what I did. This is what mm -hmm. I accomplished. 
-hmm. so that yeah you're not being ambiguous you're not leaving it to mm -hmm. chance for them to try and figure it out or ask that question right so mm -hmm. but going back to kind of asking for feedback mm -hmm. um maybe rather than because i know we talked about why sometimes managers might be reluctant mm -hmm. to kind of give that kind of uh i guess feedback for legal reasons mm -hmm. would it be okay to ask questions that were more um more to more to the point of i so i'm not I, I don't necessarily want to know why I got rejected, but I'm looking mm -hmm. to kind of improve my interviewing skills. Is there anything that I need to improve on my interviewing skills? Mm -hmm. uh, aside from, you know, maybe, you know, something else I could add to my resume that might help me the next time a job like this uh, pops up. Would that be, would that be appropriate or? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it would be appropriate. Um, you can absolutely do that. Um, the, I mean, I don't want to say that it's kind of tough because if I'm being honest, the reality of the situation is um, HR professionals, every, they're really busy, right? They meet with a number of different people. If I met with you, um, you know, two weeks ago, um, am I going to remember all of the little specifics? Maybe not. So it might be that, you know, what it might be more of um, when you have a minute, would you be able to email with me with like a couple notes or give me a call back? Because if it were me, I would want to go back and look at my interview notes so that I could actually remember. Like if I'm just talking to you on the phone, I'm probably not going to be able to recall in that exact moment mm -hmm. really specific things. So, you know, I might, I might say, you know, can I just give you a call back or can I, um, yeah, let's touch base at another time or something like that. But yeah, you can absolutely ask. Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I guess, uh, Oh, actually, I have one more thing to add to okay. one thing that um, I've experienced in the past is we've come across really, really strong candidates like they just in I'm, I'm not going to talk about one specific example, but like, or part of me one specific role or uh, position, but um, I remember I was hiring for this position and, and you know, we came across this candidate who was incredible, like, amazing, exactly where the organization wanted to go we just weren't ready for them yet like their skill set their philosophy the way that they want like yes it was amazing and yes in a year or two we'd be there and we would love that skill set but sometimes that that that's just it the mindset of the person um just isn't isn't what the organization needs at that time so that's also something to keep in mind too so i guess how, how was I going to word it? I, I, I guess memorable is the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I can do in an interview that would leave a lasting impression enough that it's like, oh, I remember you. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. we had we hit it off because, you know, I give this story out and I and I told it to you guys last time we we spoke. Is is my friend Chandra? Uh, you know, when he was first starting off in IT, he wasn't even in IT. It's a great story because you know. Uh, essentially, uh, he was working with someone else that was in the IT department and they weren't looking for a job. So he, they handed the phone to him and, you know, coached him through that interview process only for him to get the interview. But, you know, mm -hmm. during the whole interview, he said, we didn't even talk about work at all. It's like, mm -hmm. I only talked about my muscle car cause he had a, uh, <laughs> can't remember what year it was, but a Dodge Challenger with mm -hmm. a, with a big block engine in it. And, you know, it goes, it was great. Cause, uh, at the time it wasn't just his boss, it was his boss's boss and, mm -hmm. you know, he was just enamored by the fact that it was just a beautiful car that he'd restored. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the great thing about the story is then he eventually met his boss, uh, his boss to be, and he took him under his wing because he's mm -hmm. just a good guy, right? Like, you know, he just so memorable, but, you know, at the same time, he could get along with everyone. He was super friendly, wanting to help, wanting to learn. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's something that, you know, comes across in an interview today or if there's anything that a candidate can do to kind of stay yeah. relevant that way. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, uh, people liked, I mean, I'm happy that your friend got that job. However, um, it's very much of a situation where people like like people. Um, so they had a commonality. I think you can absolutely, you know, try and find commonalities. Um, a lot of the time, you know, when you first come into the interview, you have like a couple minutes before you get started and you kind of just have some light conversation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too personal with it, but I mean, if you say, you know, yeah, I was playing softball on the weekend or whatever it is, you know, you can keep it light, um, but keep it professional still, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's definitely an opportunity to, um, make like connections, but also, um, I think the biggest thing for me is just be yourself and be authentic because I can tell when you're not being yourself and being authentic. And I also understand that people get nervous. So, I definitely take that into consideration when I'm interviewing candidates. Um, you know, if they're study, if they stutter over words, as I just did, um, or if they, um, you know, can't remember a word, or that's probably just nerves. So I don't take that to heart. I just kind of, you know, yeah. That's just part of being human, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. We, we and all feel, we'll feel uh, you know, pressured under a situation. We all stutter. Yeah. Uh, I know I have. Um, uh, okay, so maybe maybe this is a good time to take on that question from Kyle now, sure. just, to, just to break it up. Sure. So uh, Kyle asks, how important are references in the interview and how much does LinkedIn in today's world play into the HR hiring process? Mm. Great question. So um, I would say that references for me, I think some organization, organizations are different. So I use them to um, just validate, not even validate. When we've selected our final candidate, I send out references and I use that reference more of a, how can we help this person be successful rather than a, we're not going to hire this person because of their references. Because a lot of the time people aren't going to say bad things about their references. Like I think I've only ever not hired somebody because of like one or two references that came back and you're kind of like, Ooh, that's kind of, you know, kind of weird or whatever, but it doesn't happen very often. And so I've, I take the approach of, you know, um, if they had something to improve on, what would that be? Or, um, how can their manager help them be successful moving forward or like those kinds of questions. So I would say I use it in the hiring process, maybe differently than other people. Um, but yeah, so important in a way. It It's also used differently by um, external recruiters for contract work. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, we had one on one of our first live streams. We had a, mm-hmm. a contract recruiter or a recruiter from tech systems. And um, for them, uh, references are pre-interview and they're very, very important. Mm-hmm. They often use it as a shortcut. Um, so when I was... Um, um, being put forward for a particular position, they literally started going down a list and saying, do you know this person? 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 What would they say about you? Mm. And then uh, later on, they're like, well, who else do you know? Who else do you know? For them, it's all about referral. It's not even mm. reference. Mm-hmm. It's um, It was, they were intense about mm. that part. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, very interesting. Hmm. Very cool. Um. Yeah. And then do you want me to touch on the LinkedIn piece as well? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I would say LinkedIn is 
100% relevant. Like I use LinkedIn every single day when I'm, when I'm, um, when I'm recruiting. So yes, I have the applicants who, who, you know, apply and all that stuff, but I also heavily rely on um, LinkedIn recruiters. So actively looking for people who aren't necessarily looking for work, um, looking for people who are looking for work. Um, but, you know, I think one thing to keep in mind is, you know, keywords is really important. It helps pull your profile for certain things. Um, so if there's certain programs that you've used or whatever, um, make sure you have that in your LinkedIn profile. Another thing that I love to see on LinkedIn profiles is at the bottom, you can actually get uh, references. And so, you know, at places that I've worked, um, I just ask people, I'm like, hey, would you guys mind, um, like Jessica, as an example, my old manager, I said, hey, would you mind, you know, writing me a recommendation? Um, and that's totally okay to do that. They, they can decline. But typically, if people don't, aren't comfortable giving you a reference, they won't. Like people won't lie, you know, out there on because it shows up on their profile as well, right? So nobody would want to recommend somebody who they don't genuinely um, feel should be recommended. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So okay, so going I guess going back to the topic of from a candidate mm -hmm. standpoint. So again, we're gonna have a lot of new grads hopefully watching this video. For them, is there any like one piece of advice? I mean, I know uh, getting feedback or trying to get some mm -hmm. feedback is, is good, but is there anything else that they can kind of do maybe to um, not feel so dejected or maybe, you know, something that they can do to kind of, uh, I guess, progress their thinking or, you know, mm -hmm. avoid getting into that spiral of, mm -hmm. oh, no, I suck. I, I failed that interview or, mm -hmm. you know, is there, it, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I guess yeah. I'm asking you from your standpoint as, uh, mm -hmm. you know, as a candidate, not so much yeah. as a hiring manager. So Yeah, um, I think, yeah, like I said before, I think it's important to just know that it's okay to feel bad about it. Um, but don't let that, don't hold on to that feeling. I say, just let it go. Like, look at the situation. Um, you know, how did you feel sitting in that room with those team members? Um, because that should, you should feel semi-comfortable, right? Like, you don't want to be in a working environment that isn't the right fit for you. So I think the biggest thing is just being aware of how the conversation felt. Um, did you feel engaged? Um, did you feel welcomed? all of those kinds of things. Um, and then also when you're being constructive about, about thinking about the interview, um, just think to yourself genuinely, like, did, did I feel prepared for that? And if I didn't feel prepared for that, how much effort did I put into preparing for my interview? And if it was a lot, then maybe you were just preparing like in the wrong way. And, you know, Michael brought, um, when we were chatting earlier, just about um, you know, LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn Learning is amaz an amazing resource. If you are looking for some interview skills, um, there's tons of podcasts, there's tons of learning out there um, that you can take advantage of. So um, I would say just, yeah, use it as an opportunity to push yourself forward and just don't let it, um, don't let it get you down, which sounds kind of silly, but that's, that would be my recommendation. No, that, I, and I think that's, I, I think that's a great recommendation. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, you know what, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give some advice to uh, sure. I, I think in, in my starting off in my career, I would often I would often apply for jobs that I was actually underqualified for. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that was actually for practice to you mm -hmm. know, go through the interview process if I can, if I can get that interview. Uh, sometimes it was a matter of yeah, the the you know the qualifications they put down are things that they were looking for, but mm. you know uh, at the same time it's like if you had like two or three of those out of the ten, but you had this great personality, 
mm-hmm. we still want to try and hire you. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been in those situations. In fact, uh, the, one of the best stories that I, I have is, uh, I guess this is like almost 17 years ago now. <laughs> I was applying for a job as a network admin, like full-blown network. Uh, as many of you know, I have like a, I've got like a wide range of skills <laughs> in mm. IT. Um, and I and I didn't get the job. Uh, the the manager, a guy named David, uh, super cool guy. He ended actually ended up being my boss later on, but uh, he he had found a candidate that had experience on the, in that particular environment that mm-hmm. I didn't have, and that was one of the main reasons he selected. And he was cool enough to share that information. Mm-hmm. But then uh, behind my back, without telling me anything, he had a colleague because these guys were out of Houston. They were hiring in Calgary. And he had a colleague and his colleague came up to him and said, hey, did you meet anyone? I'm looking to hire like a Windows mm-hmm. admin. And, uh, you know, he put my name forth and goes, you know what? I think there's this great guy named Moro. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't hire him because, you know, we mm-hmm. lost budget and we hired this other guy who had more mm-hmm. experience. But, um, yeah, I think you should give him a call. Mm-hmm. So lo and behold, I get a call randomly at like, you know, uh, I think it was like at 8 a.m. On a, on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, my name is Steve uh, Moro, uh, my colleague David. He recommended you as a Windows admin. Mm-hmm. You'd be interested in the job. Didn't even interview with him. He mm-hmm. just hired me on the spot just mm-hmm. from the referral from the other guy. Of course, mm-hmm. later on, uh, the guy quit the network <laughs> position. So uh, David poached me back on his <laughs> and he became my boss. So, uh, you know, I, I always say it's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Uh, you never know. You got to put yourself out there. But to put yourself out there, you got to deal with the rejection. So, yeah. So yeah. that's a great segue into. Um, a question we've got from the audience for me, B. Um, so what about dealing with feelings of rejection before an interview? Um, it, and it's, it, I think it's like one of the most important things to do. And it relates to the story you just told. And EB says, you know, so what do we do about being rejected before or, or after an interview? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what about before? And you're, you're going to feel like you're being ghosted. Mm-hmm. by these companies. And that was mm-hmm. my experience. And the advice that my friend Martin gave me, he's like, look, um, you're making up stories in your head mm-hmm. about what's going on and you have no basis for judging that. So, you know, just mm-hmm. live with the fact that you don't know why you're not getting it and then decide what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You have to take some action. And in my case, um, the lack of feedback, um, feeling like you're being ghosted by all these companies, mm-hmm. not getting interviews was leading me to inaction. I was constantly trying to analyze, well, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact, I probably was doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing it led me to do is say, well, um, to think about what is the strategy involved in job hunting? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, first of all, your goal in job hunting is to get an interview. Mm-hmm. The purpose of applying for jobs is to get an interview, but there's many ways to get that interview. So you can find jobs online, write cover letters and resumes, and submit them, but you want, you need to get noticed. And so you're going to have to do things like uh, you could, and we did live streams on a couple live streams on this one. Use your network and try to get people to nudge the hiring manager or even someone who's even vaguely related in the team. If they just mention your name, that's often enough. 
Um, but you can also do things like use LinkedIn, try to find out who the hiring manager is and literally contact them and saying, hey, I saw this job posted at your company. I'm interested in knowing more about what it's like to work there. And this is a very genuine thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to uh, feel anxiety that you're, as I would, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm going to be humble. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go, please hire me. Mm-hmm. I want uh, just, just asking any question mm-hmm. is enough to get noticed. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of EB's question about, uh, hey, Emily, EB is Emily. I should know that. Emily, one of our former co-hosts <laughs> um, uh, from the University of Calgary Security Club. Um, um, dealing with those feelings that you're being ghosted, mm-hmm. the first thing is to recognize that those are, in fact, feelings. Mm-hmm. You own them. You, mm-hmm. They're yours. Mm-hmm. You can actually work around those. And my advice is if you take action, you won't have those feelings. You only have them because you're not doing anything and you're getting more and more anxiety as you don't, as you do nothing. And so you've got to start saying, well, if I reach out and talk to someone or if I apply for more jobs, or if I start talking to people, I know, um, you're, you're like, that's going to fall away. It gets, the feeling gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the vacuum. So mm-hmm. fill the vacuum and mm-hmm. you're, the, the vacuum's not going to be filled by the mm-hmm. hiring people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be filled by the rest of your connections. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I have a story that's kind of relevant to that. Um, just in, in regards to networking. So when I was um, first coming out of university, I, I was, um, I was a nanny during university. I wasn't, I didn't do internships like a lot of people did. And I, I was feeling like, how am I so far behind? And I just got out of school. Like what is happening? Um, and so I started just reaching out to people for networking. So um, my uncle was working at a company. I said, Hey, is anybody in your HR department willing to sit with me and talk to me about what it would be like to be in HR? I don't know if I want to go into recruitment. I don't know if I want to be in the generalist space. Like, I just don't know enough about it. Um, And so I was lucky enough to sit with um, one of the VPs, which was amazing. We had a really good conversation. Um, And then she put me in touch with one of her recruiters. And that recruiter and I connected. She helped me with my resume. It was amazing. and then that was it. We connected on LinkedIn. We, I followed her for the following five years, you know, kept in touch here and there, you know, liked a couple posts, w- whatever that looks like. Um, but we followed each other. And then five years later, a posting came up in her team. And I reached out to her directly and I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but, um, you know, you helped me with my resume a number of years ago. Um, I've, I've since gained experience in this space and I'm interested in you know, hearing more about that opportunity. And then I ended up getting an interview and getting that job. So I think it just goes to show like the relationships that you make now, um, they are meaningful if you foster those relationships as you go along. I'm not saying, um, you know, meet with them every three months. Um, But even if it's a once a year, hey, do you want to grab a coffee or even just send them a quick note? Hey, I saw you're working on this project. That looks really cool. Whatever it is, just to kind of, just a, hey, I'm still here kind of a, kind of a thing. But yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, if you're feeling, if you're in your job hunting, you're feeling that anxiety and you're feeling that absence of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two pieces of advice I had in previous live streams, and I just posted a link to an article that that contains that advice is um, before you even start your job hunt, you need to be prepared to deal with the anxiety that's going to come with it. Mm-hmm. And so before you even update your resume, before you do anything else, number one, reach out to two or three people that are your that are your friends that you might not have been in touch with recently and just reach out to them, tell mm-hmm. them that you're out of work, you're looking for jobs and just reconnect with them. Nothing to do with the job hunt, just mm-hmm. reconnect with them. Mm-hmm. And then do the same thing for two or three colleagues, people that maybe aren't your friends, but they're people you respected, that you'd like to work with, that you admired, mm-hmm. and reach out for them and say, you know, I'm looking for work. I'd really like your feedback. Mm-hmm. Reconnect with them as colleagues. Don't even worry about the job hunt yet, but just reconnect with those people. Mm-hmm. And this has got nothing to do with finding those connections like we've talked about in our last few anecdotes, though that could happen. It could. It's really there to prepare you so that you have a support network. Because mm-hmm. when you've reconnected with those people and you're feeling these anxieties or you need to ask a specific question like, am I crazy? Am mm-hmm. I being ghosted? You can go to them mm-hmm. and they will keep you moving forward and keep you on that path to some positive actions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do what I did, which is like, I've been a hiring manager before. I'll just update my resume and then the jobs will come to me. (laughs) You will suffer the anxiety of having the absence of feedback instead of um, the support of your Mm -hmm. friends and colleagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. Job, job hunting is not like reverse osmosis, man. It's not just going to come to you and put yourself out there. So you literally got to be active. So, um, okay. So I guess moving on a bit, uh, from the recruiter side now, Mm because we've kind of talked about the candidate side, I know you touched on it, uh, but you know, like, I guess like Michael wanted us to bring this up, but Mm -hmm. like during our conversation, we were kind of talking about how you deal with having Mm -hmm. to, you know, let someone down gently. Uh, I know it's, it's a different approach, I think from Mm -hmm. other hiring managers I've seen. So I guess maybe, you know, like to kind of get you to share a little bit of that and maybe give some advice to hiring managers or (laughs) future hiring managers of how they could be better. It's a perfect segue because James just posted a thing saying, look, he's had a number of positions he applied for, had great interviews, Mm -hmm. uh, got contact information and timelines on Mm -hmm. next steps for the interview. And then Mm. absolutely nothing. That's unfortunate. And exactly what Maura was saying in a previous conversation, I think that speaks directly to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So a couple things here. I think first off, it's important to recognize that, you know, there are certain systems in place at organizations that make it difficult to give timely feedback. So as an example, you know, all of the candidates come in, you do your first look, you might pull out, 20, 30, whatever that looks like. And then you'll review them again and you'll you'll create a shorter list and you'll create your longer list. At that point in time, you could go back to that main big group and send them regrets and say, you know what, unfortunately we're moving forward with other candidates. Um, but the challenge is that a lot of systems um, that hold those resumes don't allow that option 
And so sometimes you may apply and then you hear back a, a month later. And the reason that that happens is because, you know, the whole process has, has um, finished. We have a signed offer letter in hand and then all of the regrets go out. And so that's why you see such a long time. And I, and it makes me cringe because I've been on that other side and you're like, what the heck? Like <laughs> I applied for this job and then you get that notification a month later and you're like, okay, well, thanks. Um, I kind of figured, you know? Um, so it is kind of unfortunate that, that the systems don't allow us to give more timely feedback. I think um, it's getting better. Um, but that's just one thing to keep in mind. Um, and then the other thing I, I mean, the way that I approach it always is, um, kind of from like with empathy first, um, and kind of like giving to others what you want to receive. So if I think about the recruitment process from a candidate perspective, um, I know that I want timely feedback. If I've had a pre-screen call, like if you've come on the phone with me and we've had a conversation, I would expect that you get either an email, preferably a phone call. I, I've, every pre-screen that I do, I give a phone call and I say, hey, I'm really sorry, but unfortunately we're moving forward with another candidate. And that might come, you know, after our top candidate has accepted that application or part of me accepted that offer, um, but at least they get a phone call and that goes such a long way. Um, part of the reason that I do that is because when you think about the candidate experience, um, it heavily impacts your brand. Like if I go through the whole interview process and even if I've come into the office for an interview and you send me an email, like that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right to me. And so I would hate to put, um, you know, that on other people. So I think one of the biggest things I would say to hiring managers is and recruiters or, you know, management, whoever is doing the hiring. Um, is that take the accountability um, and just take that extra time to give a quick phone call. Honestly, it takes a few minutes um, and and it's definitely worth it. So there's um, there's an often quoted survey from LinkedIn Talent Solutions from a number of years back. Um, and they found that 66% of candidates reported developing negative feelings toward the hirer, the company, the brand, if they received no feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and so not only is your, your own professional experience saying that, but literally this, um, this big survey from LinkedIn is saying mm -hmm. that's exactly true. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a remarkable read. 95% um, of candidates expect feedback. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. no one in the audience who disagrees with that. Mm -hmm. What I was shocked at is the number that 41% say they got some. Now, some could be just a letter saying, I'm sorry, but um, you weren't selected. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but 43% never hear anything after applying for a job, nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And it seems quite shocking considering the impact on brand mm -hmm. that doesn't do it. So here's a question. Mm -hmm. um, you as a, a recruiter working in HR have a process for which you provide feedback and mm -hmm. you make an explicit um, um, effort to do it. Mm -hmm. Should the managers, so, you know, if I'm hiring to my team, mm -hmm. 
what effort should I be making to provide feedback? And should I do that myself or mm-hmm. should that be your job in HR? Or is it both? Like, mm-hmm. um, I would say uh, I would personally prefer if I was the one to give the feedback um, just because I think that because I'm dealing with so many different candidates, I would know how to navigate that maybe a little bit better than hiring managers. Sometimes, you know, candidates can say things and they're like, and they, they're they not quite sure if they can say certain things and all of that stuff. Um, but what I have done in the past is on the interview script um, that I provide the hiring managers, it says, um, please provide two pieces of feedback that you would give this candidate. Um, and so I can actually just take that directly and say, you know, I have direct notes from from the manager and this was their their feedback to you. So I would say that's definitely a first step for for hiring managers um, moving forward. If yeah, I I personally like that approach because nine times out of 10 people do ask for feedback. And if I wasn't actually in that interview, um, I would have to go back to them and all of that stuff. So. So I can only remember um, one circumstance where I, as a manager, provided um, feedback, and mm-hmm. it was it was a the entire hiring process that time around. This is about eight nine years ago. Um, it changed my thoughts on everything. I was breaking mm-hmm. a lot of rules, and um, at that time, I decided that for the um, everyone I interviewed whether we hired them or not, I was going to personally tell them. Mm-hmm. And I know they were getting something from HR, but mm-hmm. it was totally, as a manager, it was mm-hmm. completely invisible to me. Mm-hmm. Like HR wanted to take that off, but I wanted to be actively involved. And mm-hmm. if these people made my short list, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to know mm-hmm. them. And so I would reach out and say, you know, we've made our decision. We selected somebody, um, Sorry, it wasn't you. And mm-hmm. at least there was a dialogue so they could ask me a question. Yeah. Um, the odd thing was not a single one of them asked for feedback. Hmm. And when I think about the comments from our audience, I'm like, and and the LinkedIn survey of my own experience, like we all think we want feedback, but would we mm-hmm. actually take the opportunity if it was right in front mm-hmm. of us? Or would we somebody go, well, at least mm-hmm. I know I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. That's interesting. I wonder if the difference is that, and I don't know this, but if the difference is that you're the hiring man- manager versus I'm the recruiter, so I'm one step back, you know, like I'm not that, maybe mm-hmm. it's a nerves thing or I don't know. That's interesting though. Hmm. Um, I, I, I completely recognize what you're saying too, is that many organizations um, and I, I'm not sure earlier, I think you were referring both to the applicant tracking system, not mm-hmm. having the ability to make that easy. So yeah. if you receive a hundred applicants, mm-hmm. it's obviously no one's going to email a hundred people manually. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of other work to do. Yeah. Um, um, or were you also referring to the policy structure in place? Yeah, for sure. Both. I would say, um, absolutely the applicant tracking system, because that is, can be a huge barrier. Um, but it also, yeah, it depends on the, on the process that the team has in place. So, um, in, in a past, past employer, you know, we focused really heavily on that pro on that regret process. And so we made sure that we had certain steps that we had to regret people by, and that was something that was ingrained in our team. Now, if you don't have that, I wouldn't say it was a policy, 
um, more just a process. Um, but if you don't have that set out or if um, management doesn't necessarily put emphasis on that, then as a recruitment team, that won't, that won't show. Yeah. I've been in some environments. Um, in fact, I'd say um, about half the places where I had to do some hiring, either on a committee or as a manager, um, we had formal rules, unionized environments or um, global corporations where, you know, there's some restrictions and some worry that if you reject someone from the wrong reason, mm-hmm. they, they might make a complaint. Mm-hmm. And um, quite often, it would be challenging to provide feedback as a manager because you'd always be second guessing. Mm-hmm. Well, whose permission do I need? And if I say mm-hmm. the wrong thing, yeah. and that results in a complaint, this is more than just, oh, I said the wrong thing. This becomes mm-hmm. a, a, a major brand issue lawsuit mm-hmm. is always what things people worry about that probably doesn't happen. Um, and I don't know that every candidate understands that that may be why mm-hmm. they're doing it. The mm-hmm. manager might want to give you feedback, mm-hmm. but they're just not going to do it because yeah. there may be a, a, a higher effort bar yeah. set. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it might be, you know, even feedback from like the executive or whatever that is to say, you know, best practice, we don't give feedback. Um, and that's, that's just how it is, unfortunately. Um, but in any organization that's subject um, to access to information requests, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be some processes in place because you don't know when someone's going to make that kind of request. Mm-hmm. And yep. then if you treated people inconsistently, inconsistently, even if you didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. the inconsistent part could turn into a major and costly process. Yep. So everyone's always like worried. Mm-hmm. What if, what if, what if, even if mm-hmm. that doesn't seem reasonable to us mm-hmm. in, in large organizations, that's the way it works. Um, mm-hmm. Although I have to say that when I've been hiring in, organizations that aren't like that. Oh man, the feedback for me as a manager is king because it's another contact point mm-hmm. because it's not for me to bestow upon the candidate this job and prove mm-hmm. that they're worthy of it. It's mm-hmm. for me to go and market myself and say I would mm-hmm. like you to be part of my team. Please yep. like us. Yeah. Um, please want to work here. Yep. Yeah. Um and I think just quickly to when you when you're talking about you know if you're if you go through the interview interview process and you have three candidates who are stellar candidates as the hiring manager um you should be connecting with those people on linkedin like they down the road you might be like oh we need that skill set in our team now we just don't have room yet um so making that connection on linkedin is super important and also because if i'm uh the recruiter and i have you know X number of teams that I'm supporting, it's very difficult for me to maintain all of those relationships. Um, So I think it's super important for the hiring manager to take that on as well. Okay. Um, I think this is a good good time for a question here uh, Mm -hmm. from Ryan, our friend Ryan. Uh, Is there any kind of legal consideration or concern regarding as an HR recruiter not accepting an applicant? Um, Um, I guess I'm reading that as in like more like if you as a recruiter think that, oh, this person uh, might get in or cause some sort of legal issue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of legal concern? I think that's what he, uh, so, I think that's what Ryan means. 
I'll tackle this and then Emily, okay. you can step in and fill in anything or correct me. Um, so as a hiring manager, um, many times I've been coached on this, um, especially in a larger organization. Mm-hmm. Um, when you interview, you want to be very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you select people, you want to be consistent. So normally I would come up with some sort of um, uh, rubric that says, okay, these are why we shortlisted these people. These are the things we were looking for. That was what was in the posting of the job. We selected them. Then we interview. We ask people, generally speaking, roughly the same questions. And not not always, but enough so it's consistent so that if there ever was a complaint made, we could go back and say, well, you know, um, everyone was treated um, equally here. We asked them the same questions. We made the judgments. And it was the differences in the candidates. And um, when I've worked in unionized environments, that was a big, big, big deal. Um, but I'm not sure that there's actually, like I had one HR um, partner that I worked with who told me it was against the law to, literally this is their words, against the law to ask a can- one candidate a question I didn't ask another candidate. This is not true. This is not true. Um, but it would be, in that organization, it would have been a policy violation and it would have been yeah. outside the guidance of HR and there mm-hmm. were good reasons to mm-hmm. be fair. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think, Emily? Um, I would say one other kind of just... A- one other thing that I put on the interview script as well at the bottom is just a matrix. So if I'm looking at a role um, and, you know, the different competencies that are related to that role, I might have a list of three and I would identify which one is the most important, which one's the least important. And so it creates a little bit of a box. So you might get the highest score, um, but somebody else scored higher and higher than you um, in the competencies that are required for the role. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a candidate might have scored really, really well in other areas, but the areas that are really important, this other person scored a little bit better. Um, so I think just in regards to keeping that consistency um, and honestly, accountability for the hiring managers, because if I'm not sitting in on those interviews, it gives them, a they have to write it down, right? They have to be documenting the reasons why that they don't think this candidate is necessarily the good fit um, or is a great fit. So. Yeah, actually, uh, Ryan was, uh, I, I, I apologize uh, for whatever reason. It's there's a bit of a delay in uh, in, in the chat for me, but it says uh, to clarify: Are there things that can't be stated as a reason why a candidate wasn't accepted or considered? And I think you kind of touched on this before, right, Emily? Like you know, sometimes there are companies that feel this way, mm-hmm. so then that's why they kind of decline feedback or you know, uh, really kind of uh, I guess stonewall the feedback. I guess. Yeah, I would say like sure, there's things you can't you can't say. Well, you can't say, but that's because you can't not hire somebody for certain reasons, right? And if, I mean, I think likelihood is the reason that you're not being hired is not because of any kind of discriminatory um, Mm. reason, but the fear is that they will say something that comes off the wrong way that will, uh, that will seem that way. And and it very much likely is not the case, um, but it's that fear um, that they'll say something wrong and they didn't mean to. Right. And it's a, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I have been on hiring committees with a wide variety of people with mm-hmm. um, 
a great deal of personal opinions. Mm-hmm. And there are some, there's some managers that I would definitely go, you ain't giving feedback to nobody, bud. <laughs> 100%. My whole role on this committee was mm-hmm. to minimize bias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that is an unfortunate part of um, um, reality. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean outright bigotry. I just mean those um, subtle things that mm-hmm. you've been mm-hmm. um, where you're like, well, I found them abrasive. Mm-hmm. Um, were they abrasive or was it just because it's an interview mm-hmm. and they were babbling on at the mouth mm-hmm. um, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yep. why the, I always use a scoring matrix too. Mm-hmm. And I'm shocked when I encounter other managers who don't. Mm-hmm. I do it as a tool to literally to lower my own bias in hiring mm-hmm. and try to achieve the whatever goal I'm set out in hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I don't want to hire the person who's going to be my buddy. That would feel good, but <laughs> I want the person who's going to build the capability of the team. I was going to say, you know, sometimes that never works, right? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, going into business with your family. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to oftentimes run into issues where you're, now you're no longer family. I mean, you're mm-hmm. family, but, you know, you don't ever want to interact with that person. So I think it's kind of the same way with hiring friends to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you were professional friends before you became personal friends, then it's a different story. But if you were personal friends trying to hire uh, mm-hmm. You know, before you guys became professional, I think that's a mm-hmm. lot more of a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I've seen in my in my meanderings, in my mm-hmm. experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, okay. Well, uh, let me think here. Uh, is there anything else we need to really ask from a, I guess, from a hiring manager standpoint? Because this is uh this is like the great. This is great because again, we we have this perspective, and I know there's a lot of people in the audience that are asking all sorts of questions because, you know, it's rare that we get to be able to pick a brain of uh, mm-hmm. someone that's, uh, you know, doing the hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. So here, here's a question. So like in my, I guess, example, mm-hmm. are there, are there those cases where, you know, yeah, you're hiring for multiple positions, but maybe this mm-hmm. candidate just isn't the right fit, but mm-hmm. you know that there's going to be another position somewhere in the future and you're able to maybe somehow give the hint to that person or, you know, come out straight and tell them, Mm-hmm. Look, you know, you didn't make the cut because I don't think this would be the perfect mm-hmm. fit for you, but you should hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will re-interview you like two months from now kind of thing. Can, can you do those kinds of things or? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually do that quite a bit. Um, I have a little list going. There's some roles that I hire quite often just because it's a it's a role that's very often in the organization or we have a lot of them. Um, so I have a list. Yeah, if I, and if I find a candidate, great. I'll say to them straight out, you know, um, we hired this individual because um, they were a better fit for the team because of X, Y, and Z, or whatever that looks like. Um, but, you know, we do hire for this role often. And so I'd love to keep your resume and keep in touch. Add me on LinkedIn. Um, and then we'll just keep connected for future opportunities. And yeah, I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And even to, um, I often will see, you know, if a candidate interviews with me um, and I'm like, you know what, they'd actually be so good in this team, like, or in this other area. And so I'll keep them in mind for other teams, not even the the similar role that they applied for, but you know, actually you have great project management skills. You should, you'd be a great fit on this team. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that everybody, everybody does that. I think that 
they should because um, why go through, you know, hiring it, it shortens your hiring process too right sure. if you've already vetted these candidates and they you know they sh sure. they showed off their skills really well then you know you can move forward really really quickly so okay cool cool yeah mm -hmm. i know um uh let's see so I, I guess this is going back to the same job i got hired for as a windows admin like the, these many decades ago but uh, i remember uh the team lead for for uh, the group i was working under uh, he kind of mentioned that, you know, uh, you should put certain things on your resume, uh, even though th those are not the things that you might be um, uh, needed, needing skills for that job, mm -hmm. particular job. But mm -hmm. he kind of said, you know, leadership skills, things like that are actually pretty uh, invaluable. So kind of like how you mentioned, oh, you have project management skills, but you mm -hmm. applied for this analyst position. Mm -hmm. I think you'd be better fit for a project manager. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess maybe some advice a little bit on, you know, mm -hmm. maybe certain skill sets that transfer you know really well across the board and in mm -hmm. which case you know someone should put that on the resume focus mm -hmm. on you know your skills for that job but you know add in a little blurb for some of the other things that you know you have skills in mm -hmm. i mean i think it's rare that you come across a company that doesn't want somebody who works well in a team <laughs> um that doesn't want somebody who communicates really well i think emotional intelligence is a buzzword that's going around a lot right <laughs> um everybody wants i shouldn't say this it would be my opinion that everybody uh, would want people who, you know, understand other people and are considerate and have integrity. Um, those are all, you know, who are humble. Um, you know, I mentioned that earlier, it's important to, you know, point out the things that you did, but it's also important to show that you're not a, I'm climbing to the top, no matter who I step on kind of a person, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's just important to showcase that, that you have those those skills because um, whether your plan long term is to go into leadership or not, uh, those skills are absolutely necessary on any team, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I think and, the the, oh. the the challenge is um, learning how to communicate that. Mm. Um, resumes and cover letters are our basic tools, mm -hmm. but they're honestly not that great because. Um, um, does anyone spend more than a little bit of time on them? Mm -hmm. um, and so you pour your heart into writing a cover letter, but no one reads it. It's actually a real talent to concisely convey it in a way that's captivating. Mm -hmm. um, um, and the slogan that I've been giving in every one of these live streams, it's about <laughs> job hunting, is that every job application is practice for the next one. Mm -hmm. Right, and you you that's how I learned to deal with the absence of feedback is to realize this is practice, mm -hmm. and I'm going to find a way to get feedback, mm -hmm. just like an athlete would want feedback on their form, mm -hmm. or, you know. And so in this case, if you go get an interview and you don't get hired, mm -hmm. that was practice for the next one. If you write mm -hmm. a resume it's practice mm -hmm. and the things we're communicating oh man they take so much practice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh actually um okay kind of a side note but i actually just wanted this just popped into my head and i just wanted to share it i took a public speaking course um oh, it was probably five years ago six years ago and one of the things that stood out to me so much was that before you know you go do a speech write a test whatever it is that you're nervous about have you guys heard of the superman pose 
So you you stand either with your arms straight out or your hands on your hips and you put your chest out and you take three big deep breaths. And what that does is it's a power pose. And so it it helps you, for me anyway, I don't know, it worked. I was like, ah, I don't know, this seems kind of cheesy. <laughs> but when you actually do it, oh my God, I do it before like any interview I go into. Um, you just you just clear your mind, close your eyes. And honestly, I will tell you, it it does, it clears your mind. It takes away your nerves. It just, it just brings it all down. And, and by standing in that pose, it, it gives you confidence. It's the weirdest thing, but I try it. I agree. So, um, I learned a long time ago, um, uh, early in my career when I was interviewing, um, my lack of native social skills was hard. So like I had to learn to make eye contact with people, things like that. But the hardest thing was, is I have a naturally a very um, criminal looking resting face. <laughs> and so what I would do the minute, like if I'm about to go in the interview, the minute I walk before I walk through the door, <laughs> I just make a giant <laughs> smile that no one can see because I know as soon as I walk through the door and I rest, it'll yeah. come to a natural, normal smile. And, but I had the same experience you did by making that big smile. Mm -hmm. I just went in there feeling mm -hmm. good and confident, wanted to meet these people as opposed to, for, uh, opposed to being fearful and anxious. Mm -hmm. Just because I smiled, my brain was tricked into thinking, oh, he's smiling. You must, mm -hmm. you must feel good, Michael. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Good tip. My Mind is a weird thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you, you can fool it into doing, I mean, that's why hypnosis and techniques like that work, right? So I don't doubt that that Superman pose or, you know, even, a, you know, weird smile like that <laughs> is going to work, right? So, yeah. um, oh, okay, here we go. I think uh, Emily uh, posted a question. So uh, how do you guys recommend finding those connections or reaching out when a company only has a general contact us form mm. or similar? Um, uh, um I was well, say link, because <laughs> because most of our people are in cyber um, security, it's called intelligence. Um, <laughs> it's open source intelligence gathering techniques. Um, so let me see if I can be concise about this because this could be literally a lesson on its own. And in fact, Black Hills Information Security has a webinar from three months ago on social engineering your way into these things. And they didn't really social engineer. It was about open source. So here's what you do. Um, it's a little easier if you know how hiring works and how the hierarchy works, but you're going to go to LinkedIn and there's not going to be an obvious thing saying, oh, this guy's the hiring manager for the position. So you start to do searches in LinkedIn for titles that might be in that department. And then you start to write down what the, the sort of the titles are and the department names. Um, when you start to zero and you're like, well, that seems like the right area, start looking at what those people have posted and who they've, whose posts they've liked because they're probably liking their boss's posts. Before you know it, you'll get a sense of in that organization, um, which departments might have the job you're applying for. And then you can start to see who's reporting to whom. And here's the big one. Take some of the words from the job posting, including the title, and search in LinkedIn, but not for people or jobs, but for content. Because it's almost certain 
that people who work in the department that you're applying to have posted the link to the job and said, hey, my group is hiring. And then you can find people that you can contact. And you're going to feel nervous reaching out to someone's total stranger. You're worried, what if they are offended? Calm down. There's a perfectly genuine, authentic way, authentic way to do this. And just pick one of those people that you think is close to it and say, hey, um, I've seen this job posting at your company. Um, either I'm thinking of applying it or I have applied to it. Um, can you tell me what it's like to work there and um, give me any insights? And you know what? Some people are just going to ignore you. But a lot of people, especially if they have posted on LinkedIn that their team is hiring, they are going to respond to you. Um, can say this very, very advisedly that often people are very enthusiastic. You're in cybersecurity. Everyone's overworked. Everyone is super enthusiastic when there is approval to hire someone new in the team. And if you reach out, you're probably going to get a response. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's amazing, by the way. <laughs> I love that you, that you go through that process. That's fantastic. Um, I will say, for me, I typically, well, I, I do similar to you. I source out the hiring manager. I don't necessarily message them. I just go to their profile so they know that I've looked at it. So they, my name pops up. And so they know that I've stalked them a little <laughs> and looked at their background, but I don't reach out. So, I mean, absolutely reach out. Um, I just, I just haven't. Um, but I will say from the hiring manager perspective, um, just a little bit of kind of tidbit there is I find that a lot of the time, you know, my hiring manager will come to me and they'll say, all these people are reaching out to me on LinkedIn and I don't know what to say to them. Like, can I talk to them? A lot of the time they ignore you because they, they don't know if they're allowed to talk to you. Um, and so I just give the advice of, you know, absolutely have a chat with them. You know, you can schedule a quick 15 minute call. I mean, this is no, this is not considered an interview. This is considered an information session if they just have questions about you know the company um you don't have to meet with them in person you don't even have to have a phone call with them you can you know send them a quick note back hey you know this is a little bit about the role if you want to find out more this is the recruiter talk to them that's super simple too um but yeah i think a lot of hiring managers get a little not shy but just unsure when people reach out sometimes if they're not used to it um i think the more senior um, the manager in the position, the less likely they are to reach back to you as well. Not just because mm -hmm. they're busy, though that's a real thing, mm -hmm. but also because they're going to be like, mm, I, I've been through this. I've had to sit with internal legal counsel. <laughs> I don't, I don't, we're just not going to yeah. risk that. But when you find people that are on the team, they're going to be a little bit more yeah. um, open. Um, you know, I've always, prior to my, my, most recent job hunt, I never even considered doing this kind of reaching out, but it is, there's a parallel. If you read all the traditional pre LinkedIn advice about networking, mm -hmm. you know, they would say, Oh, what you should be doing on a job hunt. In addition to applying for jobs that are posted is you should go to companies you want to work for and say, Oh, can I come and talk to you about what it's like to work at the company? Even though there's no job posting. Honestly, I've literally never, ever heard of that happening in real life, ever. <laughs> but every single piece of advice I've ever read says that's what you do. Um, and there's great apocryphal stories of incredible jobs people <laughs> found that way. 
<laughs> on the other hand, this this is the modern equivalent. It's I was, like literally I, ask what it's like to work there and see where it goes. I was going to say, so I've got a slightly different old school, school approach. So for all of, the, all of you who are old enough to know that there was a game, it's called Seven Degrees of, seven, of uh, Kevin Bacon. And really, the premise is that, you know, you're only really seven, you know, seven, I guess, you know, steps away from someone you know, mm -hmm. they know, et cetera, to, to really like anyone in the world. So I, I have this thing and I call it the seven degrees of Chandra Karen. So Chandra is my buddy there, the guy with the car, right, that got hired. He is like a super networker. He talks to everybody. So everyone knows him in IT or he used to, right? And uh, so anytime that, you know, a job comes up, we, we both talk to each other. Hey, you know, uh, such and such is looking for a job. Do you know anyone in, at this company? It's like, oh, yeah, no, I know this guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, can you go reach out to him and find out what this job is? And nine out of 10 times, that contact will know who the hiring manager is. But more mm -hmm. importantly, they'll know what they're looking for. It's like mm -hmm. you can read the job description all you want, and it will contain some of that stuff. But again, they're looking for a specific skill. Everything else mm -hmm. is kind of cluttered, like, you know, like, oh, it'll be great to have. But there's this one skill that, you know, if you're really good at it, they may mm -hmm. overlook the fact that, you know, there's these other skills that it's like, now nah, we can teach you. We can we can teach those skills, right? Mm -hmm. For example, you know, let's say they're looking for a Microsoft Exchange admin, but that's you know hidden inside of SQL admin, Active Directory, all this other stuff, right? All this you know techno babble, if you want to call it. But what they really want is the Exchange admin. So I will mm. talk to that contact, and it's like we're looking for an Exchange admin, but I don't have SQL skills. Doesn't matter. Apply. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put I'll put in a good word for you, kind of thing, right? So mm -hmm. um, that that why... get that gets us to a, a topic we we. Uh we got on in the student live stream that someday we have to tackle, which is why in IT and cybersecurity are the job descriptions so inaccurate and so unhelpful, both to the hiring manager and to the applicant. That's another problem that has to be solved. Um, but, um, I, I, sorry, I'm going to, so I'm going to add on to my story. And I'm going to tell all you new grads, all you, you know, millennials and everyone else younger than I am. Uh, if you're not on LinkedIn, if you're not networking, you're doing yourself a massive disservice because mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, if you start early and you build your network, you will be my age eventually. And <laughs> you will be in this position where you can help others network into other mm -hmm. companies. And that's really the power of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't added me on LinkedIn and you know me and we've done work or we've chatted, you're doing yourself a big disservice because, mm -hmm. you know, I think I've got some like 700 plus connections. It keeps growing. I know yeah. I have another friend who's got 5,000 and 10,000 connections. Mm -hmm. They're super networkers. And you know what? Mm -hmm. Anytime I, I have a question or something, or I need to get into a company and figure out something, I reach out to those super networkers and they'll help bridge that gap, right? Mm -hmm. And introduce me to that person that they're connected to. So mm -hmm. again, that's my advice. If you're not on LinkedIn and you're not networking and adding contacts, start now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do just launch on for another half hour. On how to <laughs> I know. I was like that. That is a slippery slope. It, that it, that <laughs> topic. It, it is. It is literally how to effectively use LinkedIn. It's. Let's just say we're going to keep addressing that as time goes mm -hmm. on. But That's it's true. time to start wrapping this up. Yes. Emily, yes. is there anything else you want to add? Uh, some parting words or advice mm -hmm. before we go. Um. Yeah. Actually, I think. I think from. The hiring manager perspective, I just hope that people would take away um, that I know that 
your day is so busy, your weeks are so busy, they fly by. Um, but take accountability of the hiring process um, and keep those connections of the strong people that you interview. I think that would be my biggest, my biggest takeaway um, from the hiring manager perspective. And then the candidates, I mean, don't let it get to you. Use it as a learning opportunity. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Awesome. All right. Uh, don't go away. Hang around even after the, the outro music plays. We'll just thank you after that. Uh, Moro, any last words? So echoing what Emily says, do not despair. Whatever you do, do not feel like you're a failure. Uh, you're only truly a failure if you give up. That's, that's, that's the truth. Uh, no one ever got ahead in life by, you know, taking it easy, waiting for things to happen. No one, you know, no one got ahead in life thinking, you know, I failed. So I, I you know, I must, there must be something wrong with me. I mean, you know, th think about the uh, Thomas Edison uh, quote, right? You know, uh, I think it said what something like, you know, the, the, when a reporter asked him, it's like, you know, you, you tried to create the light bulb when he was creating the light bulb, you tried it a, a thousand, seven times. How does it you know feel to fail a thousand, seven times? And he was like, I didn't fail. It just figured out a way how not to make a ball a light bulb a thousand seven times. So you know what? Framing it and uh, you know really keeping that positive attitude is what's going to keep you alive in this industry or in any industry. And in, in, you know going forward, whatever you choose to do as a career or a job or you know as a hobby, you know just stay positive. You know keep keep going. Don't don't get dragged down. Again, rejection is not the end of the world. So with that. Please like All this right. video if you like the video. Subscribe if you haven't. Hit that bell for notifications of new videos that are coming out. And uh, I'll hand it back to Michael. So um, the advice that we've offered and many other things will go in the show notes. As I mentioned in the previous uh, live stream, we now have a website. If you go there, lots of handy advice. And I do tend to update those in the days and weeks gone by. For the people on the previous student live stream, I've added a whole bunch of the resources that I promised previously. And for those of you interested in our previous live stream on job hunting, you will find them all listed here, complete with uh, links to all those great LinkedIn learning job hunting resources that Emily mentioned. Um, to pick up where Moro and Emily left off, when you're job hunting, you are going to feel all of those emotions, including rejection. Um, they're not for you to deal with alone. You don't just have, say, your family or friends. You have your professional colleagues. Anyone who's in this chat knows that that support is here and it's valuable. Join us on our Discord. Join us in these chats. We're here to make that easier. And I'm going to leave you with one cool tip. When you're job hunting... If you want to get noticed, you do that thing I said where you start to find who might work there, who might work in a related job. Go to LinkedIn. And you know, they, if you put a connection request, they might not accept that connection request. You can click the follow button. And let me tell you, everyone's got an ego. And when they pick up a follower, they notice. That's my trip for you. Stay positive. And join us next week when we talk about futurism uh, and all the cool topics from self-driving cars to AI and their impact on cybersecurity. Thanks so much.